What is up, everybody? It is South Beach Nico here with For the Ladies Podcast. Hope everybody's having a nice, uh, man, what today? Today is November. Holy cow. Um, hope everybody's having a nice November 2nd. I'm here with my co host, Attack Cat. She's taking a little nap. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, hope everybody had a good Halloween too. It was a, uh, a crazy one kind of for me. I, um, I got super sick. Like, a week or so before Halloween, probably the most sick I've ever been in my life, for two days, and then it was just gone. So my voice might be coming in and out. I'm still trying to get it all back. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but once I started feeling better, I went out as Ted Lasso for Halloween, and um, now it's not Halloween. I just have a mustache. So once I uh, once the beard comes back in a little bit more, that I don't look like I'm 14, I will uh, get rid of the mustache. <laughs> um, but yeah, but the combo of my scratchy voice and looking like I'm 12, it's like I'm going through puberty again, which is always great. But, um, man, so we had a really, really awesome guest today who I was super stoked to have on. She is a fellow comedian. Her name is Leanne Linsky. And she's a comedian. She's an entrepreneur. She is the CEO and founder of Plausible.com, which is a really interesting idea. It's an online comedy club so helping to grow the industry that I love and um, you know have so much fun making it a part of my life and she's very innovative and making it go you know in the right direction to keep on growing and keep getting people more exposure so that's awesome we did have a few little audio issues so if there's a cut in and out that's uh, something we dealt with but like I I appreciate her being patient through the entire thing we talked for over an hour and it was like There'd be a minute or two where we couldn't even hear each other, and then we just picked the conversation back up. So I would like to consider Leanne a friend of mine, and she was awesome to come on the uh, on the podcast here for the ladies. And like I said, plausible.com. It's really cool. We had a great conversation, and um, just, again, very appreciative that she took so much time. Um, Attack Cat was nice enough not to interject. She usually likes to, to butt in a little bit, but uh, she's taking, like I said, a nap. But uh, yeah, enjoy Leanne Linsky, CEO and founder of Plausible.com. Thank you guys for listening. Hey everybody, just want to pop in here real quick. It is South Beach Nico, and I wanted to say For the Ladies Podcast is brought to you by The Galley and the Ship's Hold, St. Pete's favorite place for great food, great cocktails, and great staff. A lot of my really good friends work here, but that's not why I go all the time. (laughs) If you're a rum person like me, they have hundreds of different rums, a very knowledgeable staff, and amazing food that they have till 3 o'clock in the morning, seven days a week. You can walk in at 2.30 and be like, hey man, I'm really hungry. (laughs) So appreciate the ship's hold and galley for being a part of For the Ladies podcast. It's hosted a lot of our podcast episodes so far and love working with the people over there. Go in, ask for the Joey special, and tell them Nico from For the Ladies Podcast sent you. All right. Hello. Hello. Leanne, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? Fantastic. Um, glad you could do this. How's the weather out here in Phoenix? I am in Seattle and it's Seattle. Yeah, and it's 
pretty much Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Florida and it's like a cold 73. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, I'm, I'm not too far behind you. I'm about 53. So maybe 20 degrees. Okay. I, uh, so I just said in my intro, <clears throat> I got really sick like a week and a half ago. It was two days. It was crazy. But like my voice is still kind of coming back in. <laughs> so <laughs> this is the first podcast I've done since that. But bear with me if I get cracky. <laughs> no problem. You sound great. Is my audio all right for you? Yeah, no, it sounds good to me. And okay, then cool. the other person you might hear on well, that person, but like we talked about last night over text, my little co-host, she's asleep mm -hmm. right now. But if you hear me out, that's because she's awake. <laughs> Got it. Okay. <laughs> so I kind of went over it just now in my intro, but tell us about yourself. Sure. So uh, let's see. I am a comedian. I've been doing comedy for over 20 years. And I, I actually started because my coworkers prompted me to take a comedy class of some sort, right? Mm -hmm. That's where it started. I was working for a major corporation and and anyway, eventually I got, uh, after 13 years of this, what I thought would be my forever job, uh, I got laid off. So I packed two suitcases and moved to New York City oh, wow. and decided, yeah, I'm going to pursue comedy full time. So I had day jobs and things like that throughout the years. And I hosted open mic for over seven years and produced shows and did all the things, right? Had a great time, eventually moved to the West Coast to California and I was like, whoa, I'm spending way more time on the freeway than I am on any state. Hello again. <laughs> hey, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, no, last I heard you were driving down the freeway in California and then you're just gone. <laughs> well, that's what happens in California. You just kind of disappear uh, <laughs> for days when you're on the freeway. And that's what happened. I was like, this is nuts. I need to do something. So I was like, what if I do some open mics and stuff on Skype? Because this was way back before COVID. Mm -hmm. And like in 2015, and I was like, that seems like a great idea. And some of my comedian were friends like what? And then eventually I started doing things on Zoom and people, some of the comedians were like, this is great. You know, I can work out jokes without leaving my home. And I know when I get to an in-person gig, they work. And then some comedians were like, why would I ever do that? <laughs> and then COVID <laughs> happened and everybody's like, whoa, everybody, you know, get on these technologies and, and start doing stuff. And that was really cool. And what I learned, though, is that existing technologies created this whole other set of problems for online entertainment, you know, because mm -hmm. they're designed for the workspace rather than for entertainment. So I'm like, I'm going to build my own thing. And that's where the whole idea from Plausible came from. Uh, how do I solve some of these other problems and create a platform that's specifically designed and made for you know, online live entertainment, such as comedy that depend on real time response um, that we can see and hear in the moment. So because that's basically why we do comedy. So we can see and hear people laughing at us. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so that's what we did. That's what I did. I, 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 um, I actually went back to school during COVID, which was interesting and got a master's in innovation and entrepreneurship. And immerse myself into an ecosystem of people and resources that could help me get everything started. And so I built a team and, and here we are and we launched last December. That's awesome. I mean, it's really innovative. And the fact that <clears throat> you did it before COVID, I think it's kind of cool because like, obviously, you know, I've got friends who are DJs and they were like, what do we do? Like everything had to be online, of course, but like you kind of set yourself up before that became a necessity to 
to survive essentially for your career. It did. And I wish I would have had everything built out instead of just using like all the other existing technologies when COVID happened. And I didn't get mine built out until everything reopened where now people are like, the, the benefit of it is people are already comfortable online. So it's not as hard obstacle to overcome because mm-hmm. people get it, you know? So thank God for the pandemic and those in that way, yeah. people got a little bit more tech savvy. That's a hundred percent true. Um, <laughs> so I've been doing like open mics for about two years now coming up on two years. And nice. it was very much a, uh, I was in between jobs. I was like working in a bar and after a few too many, somebody came up to me and they're like, what's something you've never done that you want to do? And I was like, um, I don't know, maybe stand up. And then, of course, the day came where they had me signed up for this open mic. And I was like, yeah, man, I don't know if I, I'm going to do this. He's like, no, you got people coming. You got to go. And the second I started it, I was hooked. Um, yeah. But like, how, how can you make it like a live experience if, you know, I were to do it on your on your site? Yeah. OK, so really good question. So I I don't think that we can really replicate in life. I'm a firm believer, like there's a whole magic that happens when we're in person. And there's actually, I just read an article about the science behind it, the way our brain engages in activities when we're in person versus online. It's it's scientifically not the same. Hmm. But like about what you're saying is like, how do you make it, how do you kind of have some of that energy and that vibe? And I think the key thing, a couple key things is one is the audio. On some of the technologies that we're more familiar with, there's an audio delay and it cuts us off. And some of that's by design. That's hard to do. Yeah. But on plausible, we don't have those sound issues and people can talk at the same time and still hear one another like is over in the same room. So that's helpful. The other thing is, is we change the screen layout so that the like if I go on to another platform and put it in gallery mode, I can tell you right now, I I have the attention of a gnat. So I'm looking at every, I'm looking at what everybody's doing, not just the performer, but I'm plausible. I made it so that it's, I can't miss the performer. They're larger than everybody else all the time, Okay. but I can still scroll through the audience. Uh, it's different from the other platforms in the sense I can, they carousel through and I can do that with my, my, the wheel on my mouse, but my, my performers stay, uh, stagnant and and anchored to the left side of the screen. And as a performer, I find that cool because I can quickly scan the room just like if I were on stage and move my head from left to right and pan. Mm-hmm. Um, I can do that on my computer and still read the room fairly quickly without having to like stop and click through to another screen or something like that. Interesting. Yeah. So, so I try to keep those things in mind when designing it. And then the other thing is, is like when you create a profile on there, when you log in to some of the other technologies, you're basically just using it for that streaming service. But on Plausible, I created it so it's like a community. So you get to create your profile. You get a free web page. You can, you can even post your in-person shows on there and use it as like, think of it as like your LinkedIn page you can share with people to show what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but for comedy and, you, and there's video and there's all your upcoming shows and all of your ratings and reviews. So you have your own Yelp reviews from everybody who's watched you perform. Hmm. Um, so, so be good. <laughs> First of all, uh, don't mess up. Uh, but yeah, we have and also log in and 
when they log in, they get to choose like their comedy preferences, kind of like when you go through and set up a Netflix account and tell it like what you like and what you don't like. Mm. And then it can make, you know, the idea is to have it make recommendations of people you can follow. But then you can also go through all the shows and see what shows are coming up and what shows you want to join and watch. And everything's live in real time. So it's kind of like appointment TV, right? <laughs> it, or if you want, because if, if you're going, if people are like, well, what, we're so used to video on demand and passively watching something. This is actively engaging because you're on video and audio too. And, and the performers can see and hear you and you can see and hear the performers and the other fans. Interesting. So, because, and I felt that was really important because when people watch in the research, when people watch comedy, they prefer to watch comedy with other people and the people are more likely to laugh if other people are laughing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. And so um, it also, I'm trying to make it easier for upcoming comedians, even like, you know, exactly like you, so that you can be discovered much easier and quicker than going into a random Google search or just trying to like follow a specific hashtag of comedy on Instagram in which everything's hashtag comedy, even if it's not. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, how do we niche it out so that, um, you know, it helps comics get more fans and be able to actually spend more time doing comedy rather than creating random content. I think that's actually the, the coolest part for me because yeah, like it's kind of tough to get your name out there if, you know, oh, yeah. you go all around to the open mics and like, yeah, the other comedians know you, but like <laughs> like social yeah. media and stuff like that, like it's tough. It's really tough. So this removes the boundary of geographics. And so people, and the other cool thing is because people have to create a login, it's free. You just create a login. But once people do that, they can access all the comedians. So Let's say you have a hundred comedian or hundred fans join because they like to to watch you. Those hundred fans now can access this whole pool of talent they may not otherwise have found, and they can follow other comedians and watch them too, and vice versa. Hmm. So you kind of feed off of each other's fan base and help each other. You know, a rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah, that is really really cool. Yeah, yeah. and so. And so we also try to like give shout outs and promote people when they join the platform. And if you're hosting a regular open mic, you know, on the regular, then I definitely like to put the word out and share it in all of our newsletters and on social media and stuff. And oftentimes at, at clubs or bar shows or coffee shops, they don't always do a whole lot to put the word out mm -hmm. and, and help support that. It, um, I like that because it fits along with everything I've found, like since I've started doing stand up, like, the community in itself is super supportive. Like, yeah, that's the coolest part. Like, you know, it's like a modern day thing, but like, there's just a respect amongst everybody who's doing it and putting themselves up there and doing, it, you know, like, yeah, it's, uh, that's really cool. Yeah. That's very interactive and like community type. I mean, like right now mm -hmm. I'm supposed to be starting like some, a comedy show on Sundays at a, at a boat bar here. And I'm like, <laughs> I have no idea how to really go about it, but like, Oh, yeah, we should talk. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's talk about that. So, like, when you do uh, a show at a club or a bar, um, which, like, I ran a, a, an open mic in New York for many, many years, and then I also produced a regular weekly stand-up show. And in the show that I did, 
you know, I had to go out and seek my own venue for it. And they're like, yeah, but everybody, you know, they want the bar is going to want everybody to buy a drink. Mm -hmm. Well, not always an easy feat, believe it or not, because comedians, we don't, we don't spend money. (laughs) (laughs) You know, then we, we also have to do all of our own marketing and promoting and getting people in the door so that the bar is happy to have us there in the first place. Otherwise we just have a bunch of comics sitting around at ordering a water. Um, (laughs) So I mean, I've spent years doing this and it's, I hate to say it, but it's often true. Right. And so we, so everybody has to, to do their best to like get people in the door. And when creating plausible, um, one of the things was, is like, yeah, I would love for a venue to help me promote it. And that's one of the things, right. But also, um, a lot of times we depend on people tipping us, you know, we put the tip jar out or, you know, um, if you, some clubs will take, or some bars, they'll be like, well, we'll split the door or they always, you know, a two drink minimum or whatever it is. And it gets hard to manage at times. You can create a paid show on Plausible and you earn the majority percentage of the door. So like if you were to get booked at a club, unless you're a feature or a headliner, you typically only, you, you don't get paid. And if you're a feature or a headliner, you'll get paid like a flat rate mm. typically, you know, but um, on plausible, you take a split of the door and you take the majority of that money. So, you know, you don't have to work for tips. You don't have to like hope that someone is generous and Venmo's you, you know, a couple bucks, (laughs) you just put it out there and, and spend your time focusing on producing a really good show and, and people will come. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm definitely gonna have to get back on your site. We're gonna have to talk way more about this in the future. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But like, so let's go way back in time, way before plausible. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you just kind of tell me about your start? Like, do you remember your very first open mic? Yes. So my very first open mic was the one that I created. And I had actually created an open mic for sketch comedy, not stand up. Mm. And I was studying at UCB, uh, Upright Citizens Brigade in New York and the Magnet Theater. And I had gone to the Second City and trained there. So I was really big into improv and sketch. And so I created this monthly open mic with a, a fellow improviser and writer. And we started it at the Magnet Theater. And people would come and they'd put up their sketches and, and see how, if they were funny or not. And for the first couple months, it worked out. And then people were like, wow, that I don't write sketches that often. Or it's really hard to cast a sketch <laughs> and get people here. Oh, yeah. What if I just do a character monologue? And so people would come and do these really hilarious characters and things like that. And then all of a sudden, I remember this comedian shows up. His name was Bob. And he's like, hey, I hear you have a o- open mic here. Hey, I'm a stand up. And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, (laughs) and it just kind of evolved and we never knew like, and then my, my partner that I started this with, he dropped off and I just kept it going and it just evolved and morphed into a whole stand up open mic because standups were the people who are consistent and always coming back and super hungry for the stage time more, more so than the other writers. And so then we moved from the magnet theater into the basement of a, a bar in the East village. <laughs> and that was like this really creepy place with like a drain on the floor <laughs> and everything. And, and like, it was still all standups and occasionally we'd have a mentalist or a magician come in. It was a pretty wild ride. 
And I, and I did that mic for over seven and a half years. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, and I'm sure you'd have regulars, but like, what was that process of getting the word out for that? So there's a great website called badslava.com, B-A-D-S-L-A-V-A.com. And it has all the open mic listings all over the world. Oh, wow. And yeah. And so when I started doing stand-up, people were like, oh, you should list your mic on on Bad Slava. And people like in LA and New York really know about that website um, for sure. And that really helped because people would be like, oh, I found you on Bad Slava. Hmm. And that was really key. And also word of mouth. Like if you run a good room and, and by running a good room, you know, you, you start on time and um, you like people, you're paying attention. Mm -hmm. Um, You give people the safe place to work out their material. They're going to come back. And I built really good friendships and relationships with the, with the people who are my regulars. It was really, really cool. That is cool. And so you were in New York, then you moved to California. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I moved to California and I continued uh, producing. I didn't run a mic in California. I just started off and continued producing my weekly stand-up show. Okay. And, book, and booking that. So I had started that in New York. Um, so like in my last year in New York, I, I produced the weekly stand-up show, Casual Comedy. And I did 42 shows that year. Wow. And then I moved to California and I started producing that there. And I, and I found like a backyard of a bookstore (laughs) (laughs) and I did it there. And then a bookstore closed and I moved it down the street to a coffee shop. And it was really great. I was able to book a lot of different comedians I hadn't met yet from LA and um, yeah, it was really fun. And in that one, I did it a little bit different and got sponsors so we could do raffles during the show and give away raffles to the to surrounding businesses and stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. And in return, yeah, and in return, they'd promote us and they'd put flyers in all the windows. So we always had a, a full house for it. It was really nice. That is cool. So do you find like, because it seems like you're, obviously your mind's always working. Like, yeah so and i don't know how to phrase this the right way but like when you you know move around or you always do new stuff is it because like you get you feel like you've hit the top of where you're at and you just need more to try and like a new challenge um yeah i would like to say that but i'm going to be really honest with you when i when i moved to new york it was because i would i'm originally from the chicago area Mm -hmm. And I moved to Vegas to finish college and I stayed there because uh, I mean, it's Vegas. Where else would I rather be in my twenties? Right. right? <laughs> and um, be real. And so I loved living in Las Vegas and I didn't think I'd ever leave, but after 13 years, I lost my job. I, w- I was laid off. And, um, and so my friends called me out. They said, if you didn't have that job, you said you'd move to New York. And I was like, darn it. They were listening. <laughs> and so a friend of mine called and said, hey, Leanne, I found a place in New York and I know you're not working. You know, do you want to move? And I go, well, I have to think about it. And he goes, you have one hour. Oh, wow. And so I was like, OK, give me an hour. So I went for a walk. I came back in. I called and I said, I'm in. I had no plan. <laughs> and a month later, a month later, I had, I showed up in New York with two suitcases. I just went for it. Holy cow. And, and then, so that's kind of what propelled me in that direction. And then when I left New York, I had, I didn't think I'd be in New York forever. Um, because it's New York. I loved it. It's one of my most favorite places in the entire world, but it's not an 
it's not easy. And I thought, boy, when I turn 50, I'm not probably not going to be like going up on on these stairs all the time. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, I, I wasn't quite ready to leave, but uh, I ended up, people are like, oh, Leanne, did you move to LA for your comedy? And I'm like, well, I guess you could say that. I moved there for a man and that turned out to be a joke. <laughs> so that's pretty much what happened is I moved to LA and he immediately dumped me. Oh, and and I was like, oh, my world was upside down. I'm like, I can't go back. Like I could have, but you know, in my mind, I'm like, I can't go backwards and admit the big failure. Um, so I just started producing my shows and doing my thing out there and making the best of the situation. Yeah. And along came another man and who ended up being my husband. And, you know, we're happy and I'm so grateful it worked out for the better. I, you know, but that's how I ended up there. It was kind of like these kind of big failures in life in your mind like oh you lose a job or you you go through a breakup or whatever that is and they turned it out turned out to be like two of the best things that happened yeah it's kind of crazy how that always seems to be the case though it's like (laughs) yeah everything is like terrible in your life and it's like all right no this is actually you look back and it's fun to look back it just sucks to go through (laughs) in that oh yeah in between anxious time Yeah, right. It's like at the time, it's like this is the worst. <laughs> eh, I'm in the fetal position, crying. You know, <laughs> but but later you're like, oh, thank God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much like I went through my first big breakup. Like I was super shy when I was a kid, and then had this girlfriend. Thought you know, senior year of high school, we're gonna get married, have kids, all that stuff. And uh, she dumped me, and I just like moved to Florida with no plan, and like it all worked out. <laughs> Right. It's amazing how that happened. And it seems so challenging at the time. But I think it it just, I mean, that's life, right? Like, the universe does for us what we can't do for ourselves. Yeah. And I think one of the most challenging things is like, sometimes when you're through that stuff, but you know, you're still got to go up there and tell people jokes. My, my material comes from all of those breakups, all of the hard things. And I think on well, they say that comedy it, tragedy plus time equals comedy. Mm-hmm. That that's what makes it funny because, you know, the good times, you know, they're great, but they're really, they're actually kind of boring. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> when my life is good, it means things are boring and nothing's happening. And I've come to a place in life where I actually really enjoy that. But, you know, for most of my life, I, I moved 30 times Holy in 30 cow. years. Jeez. Yeah. So I, I was always moving. I was al- I don't, not always because I wanted to, but things worked out that way or this happened or that happened. And I don't know. It just, I don't know. I look at it as character building, a master class in character mm-hmm. and, and resiliency. And, and with comedy, I think what we love about comedians for me what i really like is people who can talk about experience it's like you're my the funniest people have so much experience and have gone through something and they're so relatable and vulnerable and exposed yeah it uh (laughs) along those same lines i had um i woke up about a year ago to this long breakup text from a girl and and i'm like i'm sitting there thinking like i honestly didn't know we had been dating like i didn't know that was the case (laughs) (laughs) but like as i'm reading this thing i'm like first thing i do is like go to my notes on my phone like i can use this at open mic like (laughs) oh yeah but it's like totally that shouldn't be the reaction (laughs) what is happening 
Um, yeah. So yeah, someone came and read their diary from grade school at my open mic one time. It was so funny. <laughs> yeah. Th- those are the best. Yeah. Re- breakups and relationship give us some of the best material. Yeah. I mean, it's like everybody's been through that. Like you, you know, you can talk about aspects of your life, but maybe not everybody can relate. Everybody can relate yeah. to bad relationship stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you haven't been through a bad relationship yet, you're just not trying hard enough. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I had a girl follow me to Florida. (laughs) That was scary. (laughs) Oh, oh no. Yes. I learned that lesson. Never follow or never move for, (laughs) for somebody. (laughs) The, you know, red flag, red flag, not a parade, just a bunch of red flags. (laughs) That honestly funny, just between you and I, nobody else is listening. That was a crazy situation because I was like two days away from like, hey, I'm moving to Florida. So like this is kind of over. And she's like, I got a job at Disney. I'm moving down two days after you. And I was like, oh, God. Like, <laughs> oh, no. The whole reason I'm moving is because of you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get away from her. Next time, don't be the forwarding address. <laughs> oh, my God. But yeah, it's like that's what I love about comedy. It's all these experiences. And like, you know, we can have these conversations, which is really cool. Um separate but sad did you ever run across matthew perry oh my gosh no i haven't and oddly enough i'm reading his book right now Me too. Uh, so <laughs> I, actually i'm listening to audible audible so i can't say i'm reading it i'm listening to him and it's so good yeah and sad it is sad like i was at a bar when like the news came out the entire place stopped <laughs> Oh, but really? Yeah, I mean, I'm so I'm 32, so I grew up on Friends, you know, and yeah, it was just like that thing where my cousins and I have a group chat, and it's like, why are we so sad? We don't know this person, but it, yeah, it was, it felt like you know, everybody knew him. It's 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 true, and I wa- I also watched Friends for many years and everything, and. Even you know it's been off the air for a long time, except for syndication. But but I'm sad, and I'm like immediately I'm like I have to download his book. I have to listen. Yeah. I have to like. And it is it's weird. We have these strange connections. There was a time where uh, when Robin Williams passed away. Yes. Do you remember oh, that? Yeah. And it was on a Monday, and my mic was on a Monday, and everybody who showed up, like it was such a sad night at a comedy opening <laughs> mic. <laughs> I mean, everybody stood up and it was kind of like a celebration of his life. Everybody got up and said a few words. It was, you know, it's it's amazing how these celebrities and people that we grew up on have like really impacted and shaped like how we view things. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's odd. And I, I feel that about different people who have passed in, in recent years, for sure. It's weird. I, the relatability is cool, but yeah, it's like, Literally, it feels probably that open mic probably felt like a funeral that night <laughs> when Robin Williams. It died. did. It did. I'll never forget it. Um, there's people were like, "Oh my," you know, like so sad and upset, and and that's the other thing about comedy is I feel like what I love about open mics versus regular book shows and stuff is one, you never know what you're gonna get, mm-hmm. but there's been so many times over the years where we were people were able to get up to a mic and instead of although they're comedians and stuff they would end up sharing on something and people would be crying yeah and 
but afterward there was such connection and and like empathy and compassion and it just kind of it's unexpected but i also think a very necessary part of life number one but also of comedy is to feel those things and to uh be human yeah because that's where so much of this comes from and i find that comedians are are very people tend to think oh you're always extroverted you're always on and but that's really not always the case right there's much deeper feeling there and performers in general are really great <clears throat> especially the big ones um, of making us feel something. And I think that, I don't know, there's so many unexpected uh, things that happen with comedy in, in that way. So I love that you're kind of talking about like the sadness of things. Cause I feel that that's often the thing that really inspires the biggest bits or laughs. Yeah. I mean, I've found just right. in my two years of doing it that like when I'm not on stage, like I'm just going about my day, I do less like of the fake laugh trying to, I'm not a character anymore. I'm like, all right, I like can be a character on stage, but real life, I just kind of like much more settled with myself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, it, there's like a, I know when I first started doing comedy or before I started doing comedy, uh, things that I thought were funny after I started doing comedy and learning and taking classes and stuff. I'm like, wow, that wasn't really funny at all. That was just mean <laughs> or it was, it was um, not intelligent, you know? And then as I go through the process and I learn more and I'm exposed to more people and points of view um, that it makes me a better person. Yeah. You know, it has an effect. Like, yeah. It does. And so like, I appreciate hearing you. Like, I don't feel like I'm a character. I feel more settled in myself and I totally get that. <laughs> um, yeah. All the material I did in my time in New York and when I did with my one woman show and stuff, um, it, it was good. I like it. I can still do it, but I'm like, Oh, I'm tired of that. I, I feel like I'm a different person now and I continue to always write something new because we go through different phases and different parts of our lives and it's amazing how much it changes over time. Yeah. And I do want to touch on the one woman show in a second, but are you close like with your family still? Yeah, okay. I am. Do they, mm -hmm. do they like your comedy? I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> Cause that's been the biggest thing. Like with my mom, she's like, why would you say that? Like you're in front of people. I was like, cause that's the point. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, probably not so much. My family is actually, uh, I have two brothers and my parents and they're all very funny, very quick witted, uh, very funny people all of the time. And um, they probably think I'm the least funniest of the bunch, I'm sure, <laughs> uh, to be honest. And um, they didn't like my parents did travel out to see my one woman show when I did it in Delaware because I did it in New York, Delaware and D.C. Mm -hmm. Um and they actually drove across country to see it. And then I think they were probably like, why did we drive across country to see this? Because <laughs> I actually, in my one woman show, uh, one of my characters is my dad. And one of my characters that I play is my mom. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom's like, I think you exaggerated it a bit. And my dad's like, nope, she nailed it. <laughs> but yeah, so the one yeah. woman show, like, where did that come from? So that came from a lot of breakups, like divorces and things of that nature. <laughs> and um, Yeah. And, and so 
you know, being in New York, a lot of people were doing solo shows. And I'm like, I really want to do that. I feel like I have a lot to say. And I ended up writing a show when I first put it up and premiered it at the People's Improv Theater, the pit in New York. Um, It was about 25, 30 minutes. And then I continued to write and I submitted for DC Fringe and it became a 55 minute show. I took it to Wilmington Fringe with that 55 minute show and then back to New York again for United Solo Fest. And so over a year, I continued to perform it. And my director, I had a great director, uh, Trish Vignola. Um, she was great and giving me feedback. And based on how it was going in the live performances, I would rewrite or I would mm. tweak lines. Um, I added to it, took out that kind of thing. And so it was a really tremendous experience. But what I did is I write what I know. I wrote about characters in my life. Um, I wrote it from other people's perspective. So it wasn't just me, but like as an ex-husband, you know, uh, took on that character and like gave his point of view of the situation. And it was really fun to do it that way. Um, Yeah, it was just, it was really, really fun. And when I was done, people were like, are you going to continue on? And I'm like, not with that. I'd rather write something new, but it was because it was such a, but man, I, I'm really glad that I did it. It was such a great process. But by the time I got done with that, a lot of the material, um, it morphed into stand-up material and things like that. And so I was able to kind of repurpose, rewrite, uh, rethink it. And it, it, yeah, it's a really great experience to write a one-person show. That's cool. Um, yeah. Now that you're happily married, which is great, did you ever have people kind of threaten that you might have been dating or wanted to date that just because you were a comedian that they might feel exposed? Um, well, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my husband, my husband now, uh, we have an agreement that he will not be used in any of my material unless, uh, he really does something to hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> that's the agreement so i'm not allowed to use him in his material uh, unless there's something like with his approval or something that's fair enough but yeah and you know what there's not there's not too much that i would want to write about with that like uh yeah it's it's i've changed a bit so and i find that i do a lot more self-deprecating stuff mm-hmm. usually anyway when it comes to relationship material because i don't want to bash the other person right you know i don't like doing that i don't want to hurt other people and i kind of find i have to laugh at myself because i'm usually the common denominator in all of this (laughs) that's very anti-taylor swift of you (laughs) right yeah i'm not a taylor swift i will talk about relationships but i have to be honest about myself and my role in it all Mm -hmm. i can't i I don't i definitely don't want to hurt or um you know muddy someone else's name or something like that. Yeah, because then it just sound looks bad on you. Like I have a policy just that I made with myself that if I'm ever gonna tell a joke about anybody in any any sort of joke, like I'm gonna tell them beforehand and be like, is this cool? Yeah. I think it's a I think I think that's a the smart thing to do. You know? I don't know if it's always been the case for me. I, I would say, yeah, it has. Like, if I use anything from a relationship, I take out identifying factors from people. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so they're quite not sure. They're like, is she talking about me? Or maybe. <laughs> I don't know. 
It's respectful. Yeah. So another thing that I've noticed during my time doing comedy is I record everything. Like all my my stand-ups I've done video. Some of them can be hard to watch. But, yeah. but like you learn a lot about how you move and how you have a conversation, basically, and tell a story just by watching that stuff back. And that actually, I think, helps you as a human just in day to day. So true. So true. You're really smart to do that. Thank you. Yeah, it's like I said, it's yeah. tough sometimes, but. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It was, I couldn't have done that because I started before cell phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, can someone fizzle that in stone? Um, yeah. So, but, but it is really smart to do that. And you're right by, by recording yourself and watching yourself and watching yourself back without the sound on. Have you done that? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what am I doing right now? (laughs) Um, yeah, it's fascinating. We can learn so much from our body movement and, and how we behave. I, I love that. I think there's just, there's, that's the thing about comedy. It's just never done. Mm-hmm. It's just a work in process all the time. All the time. And I love, watch, I love watching other people. Yeah. You know, yeah. especially at mics and, you know, you can find out like what you, what you love about what makes a set better or a performance better and what you're like, Oh, mental note. Don't ever do that. A hundred percent. Like it's good to be observant yeah. like that. So true. And I love also sitting through and listening to people at, at mics and shows. Um, I think that's where I get my most inspiration for writing because I get into a zone of listening. And I don't know if you notice this, but it's like listening to music because if people are really good, there's, it's like a rhythm, Yeah, you know, you can get into a cadence or a rhythm and it's just easy to listen to because yeah. our mind likes patterns. And that's why a song with a good hook is so popular and I feel like when someone's doing good comedy, there's a rhythm or a cadence to it that it's easy and effortless for our mind to pay attention to and follow. Yeah. And then and, you're more engaged. Yeah. And so when people have an attitude of going up and just riffing, I find that my mind drifts because it's not as engaging Yeah. or unless the person's really good at riffing and they're really hilarious solid. But yeah, no, that's so true. Like when more people are engaged. And another thing you said way earlier that I totally buy into is once you get one person to laugh, everybody's more engaged and everybody's more willing to laugh. Absolutely. It's it's really helpful. And I find too that I think that's a really integral role of the host of the show to keep energy going. Like a lot of times uh, if someone's hosting, I love it when the host stays in the room and pays attention to what's going on. Um, and because they often will be the, the, they'll often laugh and that catches on quickly and they can also save somebody if they're totally bombing up there and get them off quicker. Um, but if you ever go to a mic where the host is out in the lobby and stuff, it kind of sets a weird tone and, and and they'll go to the other end of the bar and have a conversation. It kind of changes the vibe and it's contagious. And so to your point about when one person laughs and everybody else does, I also think when one person starts looking at their phone, other people instinctive, like subconsciously start doing the same thing. And I think that the host of the, the room can really kind of manage that. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree with that. Yeah. You know, there have been times like I walk into a spot and it's like packed. I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. Like, I don't even really have to do too much. But I've had times where I walk in, there's like three people. It's like, this is going to be an uphill battle tonight. 
<laughs> right? All of that. Those and and I don't know if you. It sounds like you're you're like I am. Like I don't care if there's one person in the room for the show or a million people in the room for the show. The show will go on. Hundred percent. Same routine. Yeah. Same effort. Yeah. There's been so many other comedians who are like, no one's here. I'm not going to do it. Right. I'm going to cancel it. Are we canceling it? I'm like, can't. What? I already hopped on the subway and got my butt down here. No, we're <laughs> not canceling anything. Yeah. And it's like, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's why you're doing it. Cause like you might learn something about yourself that you can use when it is packed next time or yeah. could be a game changer. You never it, know. <laughs> yes. It's like any day that I can have stage time is, is, better than a day with no stage time and it as long as i can be working and doing what i love that that's where it's at yeah and so let do hmm, with plausible back to plausible yeah do you guys have times like that where it, it could be a super small audience yep and then you know yeah so you watch like a decent amount of them right oh i watch as many as i possibly can do you yeah. do you notice that even with being online that the effort might change with certain performers yeah it does D different people treat it differently um and i am i'm a huge fan of the show must go on put in your best effort use the stage time even you know work you know perform it get feedback from the one person who's there or try out new material you know experiment but use the time somehow some way yeah. to so that you walk away going, wow, that was amazing. You know what? It, because it, again, even if I show up and I'm going to do a mic or a show and, and one other person there, keep the room open because what if someone shows up late and they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't get off work on time or whatever it was. Someone still might show up and want to see it. Yeah. Someone might, still, you know, otherwise it just looks like the show never happened. Um, so there's, there's things like that. And it's just, yeah, if I've committed to something and already put it on my calendar, then that's just who I am. I'm going to show up. I'm going to do it. Yeah. But but there is a difference. I, I've made some really good friends in those weird situations like that. Like uh, my friend who's a hilarious comedian, Roland, uh, he and I did a show in Vegas in the rain in a parking lot. Oh, wow. Four of our other cast members bailed. And they handed us this mic and people were yelling, we can't hear you. <laughs> it was just. Like the worst possible circumstances, every way possible. And you know what? It was one of my fondest memories That's because we did it. Yeah. We did it. I like that. That's really, really cool. Like, yeah. I don't know. I think that's what I've noticed, like talking to other people who do comedy or comedians. Like, we don't ever really talk about the great, great times. It's always kind of like, we're going to talk about the, the worst one ever and how much we liked it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's true. And it, I always chuckle when I see people like, oh, I crushed it on stage last night. I'm like, boy, I wish I had the nerve to like write that because I always am very hard on myself for my performances. Mm -hmm. um, and and I'm always like, well, maybe I felt good about it. But then if I watch the recording, there may be only three people laughing instead of the 300 people I heard in my mind right. or, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> um but I, I, I like hearing about, I don't know. I just think no matter whether I crushed it or anything, the fact that I showed up and I was spending time doing with doing comedy is we're so lucky. I know. Brave, you know, brave to start out with, but yeah, lucky to do, to be passionate about it. 
because it yes. is really great. It really is. And, and um, I, I just, you know, I really want there to be more opportunity for people who don't live in the major cities or maybe don't have the time or maybe even, you know, someone who's, you know, doing bookkeeping or something and has this whole day job and family or something. And they're really hilarious though, because accountants are, (laughs) you know, but get out there at night and, and do something like, I love that. You're like, what is one thing that scares me? Oh, stand up. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's not off my list because there's so much personal growth that comes from it. And, and I don't know, it's just a whole different skill set, point of view, way of life that, I can't imagine not ever doing it. Yeah, I 100% agree. And like, honestly, the what you're doing is making that a lot easier, more accessible for people. Like, yeah, that's really cool that you're opening doors. And like, I'm sure you've got more plans to keep building it up and up and up. Um, back to your Vegas thing, doing it in rain. It made me think <laughs> of like the first time I completely blanked on stage. <laughs> I got up there. And in my head, I got up there, looked at everybody and I was like, I'm sorry, I don't have anything for you. And but I watched the video back. I did two and a half minutes. Before, yeah. And I was like, I just totally went out of my mind. And it wasn't That's great. Okay. <laughs> but you know what? But you got up there and 80% of success is just showing up. Yeah. You know? And I even have a friend who's been doing it for over 40 years. And that happened to him not even too long ago. It it happens. Like, I don't know why or you know what happens in that moment, but it happens to just to people on every level in that in their career at some point. Um, so you're not you're not alone. Oh, I know I'm not. It's just a weird weird thing. You like you cannot weird think thing. of any thoughts in your head, <laughs> right? And the and the time seems to be like ticking away, and you're like, I must have been sitting up there for an hour, like a deer in the headlights. <laughs> but truly, it was probably only like three seconds, and you could have just went over, got a water, come back, and finish. But you know, it, it, but it, but it's like all of a sudden we like go into that mode of like, what has happened? Like, yeah, I've been, I've been there. I get it. I know. It seems like an eternity. And you're like, what did I do? <laughs> um, I've got a few more questions for you, Leanne. Yeah. Have you ever like considered doing like acting or anything like that? Yeah. And I have. I did. I did while I was in New York and um, I did commercials. I did some theater and it was really cool i was really lucky i got cast in in some really cool plays i um i really enjoyed the commercial work that was really fun um yeah so i did that and i took a i took a lot of acting classes and i think uh it was really helpful that i started with improv and then worked my way into that i loved it yeah it was fascinating very cool. yeah and i was like man anytime i could be like i'm in new york city i'm going on an audition i'm like who can say that? <laughs> what, what life am I living right now? Yeah. I mean, it yeah. sounds like you get the full New York experience, honestly. Oh, yeah. It was like, it was, I, I oh, it's one of the best things I ever did. And it's funny because after I moved to New York, I'm like, what have I done? <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know anything. And I was lost. And, oh, my gosh. It was, you know, the first few years are really hard getting around. Like, you just sit on the subway and cry. You're like, where am I? Um <laughs> But it, it, it was really a cool experience. Awesome. It was really awesome. And like, who has like inspired you, whether it's comedy or like, who's somebody you go to or maybe pattern yourself after? Ooh, I don't know if I pattern after 
anybody. I love so many different people for different reasons. I like a lot of new people. I love watching new people in comedy. Mm-hmm. I think it, I love the like the enthusiasm and everything. And I, I need that sometimes. I don't know. It's just a lot of people I know that I've worked with or studied with, played, Im- improvised with, performed with, all the things over the years. And then you see them on TV. Yeah, that's- and my husband gets tired of me every time. He's like, every time we watch you know, a show either during commercial break or during it, you're like, Oh, there's so-and-so. <laughs> um, and he's always like, what? Okay. Um, but I love that. I love seeing people succeed. And every time I do, I think that that just makes me happy. Yeah. I'm the same way as you. I it's, I don't know. It's something about how we're wired, I guess. <laughs> just maybe we're all brainwashed yeah. as a community to want people to do well. <laughs> Believe I do. <laughs> people do it gives me hope. Really, and I think it's easier to see people I know become successful because it becomes really real, yeah, and and real possible for me too to do things that I dream of. I think it's a different thing when I see someone I don't know who becomes a celebrity. It seems like oh, they did these amazing things. Of course they did. But when I see my my friends and people I've actually shared a stage with or something like that or even you know former teachers go off and write movies and blockbusters and do those things i'm like wow i actually know those people like i know how hard they've worked i know how deserving they are of these achievements it's it's just really cool and to see like those are real people they did the thing it's possible for me yeah i love that so i love that um last two things i've got for you one is just another personal story of mine. Uh, back to when I started doing stand-up, like I kind of, I would be that person, like I had my notes and I was reading that and I was so jealous of all the other comedians like hanging out beforehand and like they're chatting, getting to know each other. And so for me, that was a cool milestone moment. The first time I showed up and I was like, I'm confident enough like in myself that I'm going to go talk to these guys and hang out. Nice. That was a cool thing. But yeah, that was when I realized like, how awesome the other comedians are. Cause like at first, like I grew up playing sports. So I was getting like competitive. I want to be better than everybody else. But then once I talked to the people I thought were really good and I was kind of jealous of, I was like, Oh, you're actually a huge, like awesome inspiration for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, I've been fortunate enough that. to have like an, a few, uh, a few of my buddies on the podcast. One of my best uh, comedian friends is T Davis. He's down here locally. He's blowing up. He started around the same time as me, but <clears throat> he was a guy I was super intimidated by like, you know, big guy, but like, he seemed like he knew what he was doing. And then now he's like my friend. <laughs> That's really cool. See? Yeah. It, it's really nice on that journey. You said you got a second thing. Oh yeah. The second thing is like, what's going to be next for you? For me? Yeah. Like plausible's up and kicking it. I'm going to be on there hopefully someday. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like what, uh, what's it works for you? Well, right now, I really see me continuing on with Plausible. Um, I really am. I really what's important to me is getting comedians going and supporting them and watching them succeed on here. So I'm really focused on the user user experience, what's working, what's not working, what needs to be improved and building it from there so that we can bring comedy to people all around the world. So that's kind of what's really moving me right now. And I just want to be on this path long-term. So I'm constantly reminding myself it's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. And 
and kind of honing in on the specifics and making it easier for people to transition between their in-person and their online performances and growing their fan base. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'd like to really see the community grow and take off. Yeah. And I think that's amazing. It was um, yeah. <clears throat> when I was like reading. So we met through like what I compared to like the Tinder of podcast guests and hosts. <laughs> yeah, Like you were the first person I've talked to from there, but like I was reading through it and I was like, this is really, really a cool idea. So I definitely respect what you're doing and how you're trying to grow the whole community and everything in itself. Well, thanks. And I, and I want to point out, I think you said something that is so important about your major milestone about finally feeling confident and being a part of that conversation and talking with people at the beginning of a show or a mic. And I, and I, and you mentioned earlier, like you're starting a show at a bar, Mm -hmm, right? Like what a phenomenal opportunity for you because you've experienced firsthand on how good that made you feel. And I know when I started hosting my mics and, and shows is I made a point of when, when I booked it or people signed up, take them aside and introduce them to the other comedians on your roster for that night Love that. and get the conversation going because you're setting the tone. You have such an opportunity as the host to set the vibe and the tone and the community that you want to create that night. I love that. And, and because that meant something to you, um, carry that out to the next person and pay it forward. I will. Absolutely. That's tremendous advice, honestly. And I mean, hopefully somebody is listening that's in the same situation as me and they just got that piece of advice too. And we're like, oh yeah, that's a really good idea. Yeah, because the truth is you never know who's walking in that door and they could be, A, your next best friend and be, be somebody that, that is goes on to do these amazing things. And wouldn't it be great that you're part of their journey? You could be that to somebody else. And, and that's kind of actually what I'm doing with Plausible. I want, I want that at plausible. I want people to feel they're welcome and they can succeed on that platform and belong, have a sense of belonging. Yeah. And like I said, I've said like 30 times, like, that's amazing. I, I think it's really, really cool. And I respect it a lot. Um, so where can people find plausible? They can find plausible on the internet at plausible.com. And that's spelled with two Z's because someone bought up all the other domains. <laughs> I was going to ask you why there were two. <laughs> so if they bought up the two Z one, you're just going to have to go for three or four or five if it need be. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. I would have had to come up with a different name. I, every name I thought of was already taken. I kid you not. I went through 10 pages of names, but plausible is it. So it's P L A U Z Z A B L E. Like be plausible. Um, it's plausible. Your comedy career is plausible.com. I like it. Yeah. And then do you have any social media you want people to follow or no, you want, want a secret life? No, I do have a secret life. Um, so all of my handles are at plausible on Instagram, Twitter, which is now X mm-hmm. and I'm on threads. <laughs> threads should have been Y. I don't um, even know what threads is. Threads is Mark. So, so, okay. Elon Musk made Twitter X. Mm-hmm. And I think Mark Zuckerberg made threads and he missed an opportunity and should have called it why. <laughs> because really why? Um, but whatever it is, it's like a new, it's a Twitter knockoff. And then, um, and I'm on LinkedIn where everybody goes for comedy. Of course. And Facebook. 
I'm not on MySpace. I should reactivate my account. I yeah, I tried to log back into mine. It's it's gone. Is it? Yeah, I don't know why. Like I I thought I like I had the password and the username and all that stuff. It was still there, but it said my I couldn't log in. Oh boo! I, I would really like to log in and update my profile. <laughs> Were you friends with Dane Cook on there? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> he was on like everybody's. <laughs> all right. Well, I appreciate you taking a lot of time actually and dealing with like all the uh, ins and outs of our audio but yeah if you are ever in the tampa bay area text me you got my number we can do like an open mic or something that would be a blast and if you're ever in seattle hit me up absolutely and then again leanne thank you so much like i'm gonna get on plausible right now check it out and uh this was like a super fun conversation thank you Thank you. I really enjoyed it. This was a pleasure. Thanks so much for the invite and having me on. Absolutely. I'm sure we'll be in touch. <laughs> okay, awesome. Thanks, Leah. <laughs> <All right. laughs> okay, bye. bye. Hey there, this is Cassandra Pinataro reminding you to stream Free Woman by Cassandra on Spotify. Or check out the new music I have coming out soon at You Know Cassandra on Instagram and TikTok. And thanks for listening to For the Ladies Podcast. There you have it, Leanne Linsky. Awesome conversation. Uh, definitely one that, you know, I went into it. I had never really talked to her other than last night. <laughs> we we met on a, a really cool website called podmatch.com. Just pairs together hosts and guests. And um, so we, we connected really quickly. She's the first one I've talked to from there. And um, it was super interesting. And I was like, Halfway through, I was like, man, you're doing an interview right now. Like, stop just like, it seemed like we are just like chatting, which is how I want to structure the podcast, how I like it to be, where it's just like you, the listener, are, you know, at the next table over just listening to our conversation. And um, she gave me a lot of really great insight on the comedy world. Like I said in the intro, she's very innovative, and I respect what she's doing with Plausible so much. And obviously respect her so much for being a part of the comedy you know, just industry and community. And um, that's something like her and I could bond over, but hopefully you guys listening got kind of an interesting inside perspective into uh, how awesome the comedy world is. And um, yeah, looking for, I mean, continued success for her and plausible.com. Again, that's with two Zs, <laughs> plausible.com. I love the two Zs. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's awesome to uh, to have conversations like this. This is why we do the podcast. So appreciate you guys for listening and um, attack Cat for being patient and taking a nap the whole time. But yeah, like I said, Leanne Linsky, awesome talking to you. Love to connect with you if we're ever in the same coast. <laughs> and uh, that was fun. Thanks for listening to For the Ladies Podcast.